disclaimer, the contents of this podcast do not constitute medical or professional advice and do not reflect the opinions of the affiliates, promotional sponsors or partners or advertising agencies and only reflects the opinions of the members and guests. This podcast contains explicit content and offends everyone equally. VTSR expressly disclaims any and all liability relating to any actions taken or not taken based on any or all contents of this podcast. We disclaim any responsibility. Listen at your own risk. Main sponsors, Nostifiance Group, LLC. For all your training, consulting, and special operations solutions needs. For military, law enforcement, and private clients. Uptown Autoglass. For all your glass needs located in Columbus, Georgia. Sing it with me. Take it away, JP. All right, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Veterans Transition Support Recon Show, VTSR. Thanks for that intro, JP. Welcome back to uh, this portion of VTSR. With me is Mike Rude. Now, just so you guys know, I have been misidentified very much in the world as a badass. I am absolutely not. But I'm sitting beside somebody that I know is a badass and that I classify as a badass. I I wouldn't say that, but... Well, so my opinion is that that you are because um, a quick history is you were in the 3rd Battalion. uh, I was in the 3rd Battalion. You were, I think you were a corporal at the time, becoming a master corporal. I was a uh, dumbass private just coming out of battle school. Um, And then we kind of passed, crossed paths in Bravo Company. Um, which was Mountain Company. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. yeah. Going through B, Bravo Company together. and Yeah. Well, a lot of guys, that's why I spent a lot of my time was in B Company. Yeah, even though you were a yeah. jumper and came from the Airborne yeah. Regiment, yeah. You, you were a mountain guy, um, yeah. which is really cool because those that don't, don't know is when the Airborne Regiment was um, shelved, I guess, Yeah. the 3rd Battalions were stood up as the new place for you guys. Yeah. And then we get uh, guys like myself coming in so this would be a mentoring ship. So Mike yeah. was one of my, we called you the sensei. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, because when the, when the regiment was disbanded, it was broken up by the three regiments that served within it. The, yes. Right, RCR, Van Deuce. Broken up. So the, each regiment had their own soldiers that went to the airborne. Yes. So when we were disbanded, that, say, company of troops went back to each of the battalions or formed a parachute company. Yes. And within a year, then they reformed the third battalions of each of the regiments. Yes. So in what I think is fantastic of what happened, actually, is that all the airborne guys, so they stood the third battalion up behind, around the airborne guys. Yes. The airborne guys came there with an attitude of, you know, nothing can stop us, right, with the airborne mentality. And I feel that even even guys that didn't do the jump course within the third battalions, they're still they have that attitude. They have that. Uh, so all that was kind of transferred to all the guys that served in the third, right? That was the end because of the, yeah. yeah. So I mean, guys like Rob Furlong, right? I mean, yeah. uh, he was you know, in my section at yeah. one point. Yeah. So I mean, you've got these guys that, and and Rob Furlong is the one that pointed it out to me, saying. It was the the guys, the core of airborne guys that created the battalion, and then really made it a special place. I think, and yes. I and I think that's why the third battalions are, you know, are as good as they are. Right? Oh yeah, that energy definitely twenty something years later is still there. Yeah. And for me, getting into that unit, we felt it because coming through battle school, we had uh, Mark Leger and uh, Ragsdale and those guys in yeah. two ICs. Yeah. So that energy came from them, and then it transferred over to the battalion and that lifestyle. So before we started filming, you're like, "Dude, you're a busy guy. You got lots on the go." And I'm like, "Well, yeah, that's just the way I was grown. You know, that's yeah. the way I was raised yeah, yeah. is to, to do lots of stuff." And you're right. 
even though we weren't all jumpers uh, right away in the battalion, Charlie Company, Bravo Company, uh, those guys, even the guys in transport and administration company had this oomph to them that you didn't see anywhere else. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah I think uh, awesome battalions, right? Oh, yeah. Even the Van Dues 3rd Battalion. I've worked with them a little bit, and they're all right. But the energy is <laughs> yeah. there because it yeah. transferred from that. Yeah. So, which, when we look at it, your energy from the Airborne Regiment came from the original Devil's Brigade offshoot guys as well, too, yeah. right? Yeah, like, pretty much. It's all this standing on the backs of giants. Yeah, learning from, you know, uh, you know, uh, legends, if yes. you would, right? That yeah. it just being passed on. I mean, and I've, I've had the, uh, <clears throat> I've been fortunate in, in I've, you know, I've met and became good friends with uh, a one can para guy, um, <clears throat> Dan Hardigan, who's okay. actually from, originally from Sydney Mines, I believe. Okay. <clears throat> so... Uh, that was, you know, hearing their stories. Yeah. I read his book. Uh, his his best friend was a guy named Swim from Lockport. Okay. They used to call him Sink or Swim, right? But uh, you know, learning from all those people and and seeing the same mentality, right? That uh, it's yeah, it's a special thing. I think eh? it, it really is. And right now, I'm not gonna lie. I'm having. Like since when when we ran into each other on Monday and planned yeah. this for today, I've had uh, flashbacks. I've had um, the the stirring memories, and I've I've been brought back to that. And just sitting beside you now, I can feel that like, you know, I kind of want to be back there doing that again. And I, I yeah, the nostalgia. Yeah. <laughs> Don't I? Same for me. Yeah, it's completely. It's, it's like we miss, and I the the thing that comes up for me is that I look back, I'm like, oh man, I could do so much better now. Because yeah. I learned so much more, and I could be so better. Um, but we can't really look back at it that way. We have to look at what's ahead of us and what's coming up, which brings yes. to what you're yeah. doing now. <clears throat> Taking that same energy and mantra, um, I think that's the right word I want to use, is mantra yeah. from that lifestyle and that essence to where you're going now. And I get asked a lot by people, they're like, well, you're tired now, why don't you just quit? Yeah. Well, it's not in us. And for me, my foundations and my stuff is, I always go back to the mission's not over till the troops are safe. And yeah. the troops aren't safe at home right now, are they? Yeah, to, you know what, um, not at all, yeah. right? Um, you know, uh, because if pe people don't know what all the, what everything's coming from, right? What are their symptoms, right? Yeah. So we can we can sit there and say I got PTSD, and then people will say to themselves, "Well, geez, these these other things should be on the list too because that's part of my PTSD." Yeah. But it's actually mefloquine poisoning, yes. right? And it's symptoms from that, and that's how it and that's how it's all going to get convoluted, and you're going to have PTSD, traumatic brain injury, and mefloquine poisoning all wrapped into one big thing and you don't know which symptom is coming from which thing right yeah so that that i find very uh yeah not not very safe and that's you know <laughs> you you ask me when you know you know when do you see this stopping or whatever but uh i don't know I, i'm not sure <laughs> right yeah cause I, I because because of the safety thing yeah. right i don't people aren't safe they need to know and uh if they're not being treated for the right thing, then they're then they're at risk. Exactly, and that's what I think where everybody's at right now. A lot of people. Okay, so for you, you're on this mission because in the third, when we talk about that energy there, uh, it's lead follower get the fuck out of the way. Right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Right. Like that. That. At the core of it, that was something that we heard every day. It was. It was part of our energy. And we provided that leadership by going and teaching courses to other nations or developing, um, you know, other units inside the forces. But that was the way. Lead, follow, or get the fuck out of the way. And yeah. right now, there isn't many people leading this charge. So you see this need and you're providing that leadership that you have ingrained in you. And that's why you're still going. And that's, yeah. that's why as we, when we get out as veterans, we still do have this energy that hasn't been expired. So it's we're the Energizer Bunny. But we have a mission, and your mission is awareness for this methylene poisoning. Yes. Because when you talk about <clears throat> unboxing it and getting the actual details, I know there's days where I'll sit there and go, something's off. 
something is totally off. Yeah, duh. Yeah, completely. Know? And That's... you're like, you're scrambling through your mind. You're like, okay, I can either just embrace that this is a bad feeling and just wallow in it, or I can identify what it is and prevent it or be aware of what's going to happen next time it comes up and not let it consume me. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So for you, what has been the biggest struggle doing this awareness campaign? Uh, just really, it's uh, like trying to organize myself, right? Um, when I first started this trip, like on the 8th of April, 2019, I, I was doing everything on my own, right? So I was uh, taking messages on Messenger, uh, um, emails, yeah. text messages, phone calls, trying to figure out where I was staying tomorrow night. And, you know, so I'd try to plan three days ahead, plus then I had my medications. So all my medications, uh, so in order to keep myself safe, yeah. I only take two weeks worth of medication, right, uh, pharmaceuticals. Yeah. So I only get two weeks at a time because I've attempted twice Okay. taking pills right yeah so i only take uh two weeks at a time so i mean then i'm trying to so every 12th day i was trying to figure out where i'm going to get my meds yeah right so i got to stop and because i need to get it in blister packs i won't get it in a in a pill bottle yeah it's easier right? to track and it's easier to track and also it's safer because then you know the time it takes to pop everything out of the bubble or whatever right that it uh just gives you a little bit of extra <laughs> safety. Sinking with room. Yeah. Processing, right? So, so yeah, so, so the start of it was very difficult. And then by the time I got, finally got to see my, my family, uh, probably three months later, yeah. I, um, they end up starting to cover off on the, on the checking my messages. Okay. And then they, they were helping me organize myself and uh, say check this message check that one somebody called from this somebody for so that right starting to develop. yeah and starting to develop and then i you know went to victoria and debbie ferguson with uh, delta foxtrot designs yeah. helped me launch my web page <clears throat> and uh along with uh, genevieve uh, primo she was helping as well then developed the patch okay um it's all been a slow process yeah. but I've slowly been kind of gathering or you know people joining in and helping and and uh, which has made it easier for me to function okay so sometimes you know events can be half planned and then I just have to show up which makes it a whole lot easier right yeah um, but uh, which is you know because you're doing all the driving you and Spark yeah. are running the ropes yeah. you're linking up with people now let's let's take a step back a little bit we've talked about the third time we talked about the the airborne uh, how old were you when you got in? Uh, like, uh, I was 18, okay. uh, a couple months before my 19th birthday, but six months after school, I was in the army, uh, went to the first battalion for like a year and a half, uh, boat, whatever, did my jump course, yeah. went to the airborne regiment, uh, in summer of 90. So I got in in January 88, was in the airborne regiment by 90. And then, uh, Spent five years with them, okay. got disbanded, went to the para company, yeah. formed the third battalion. I never went to, never served in a school no. or nothing. Uh, I became a mountain ops instructor. Yes. So uh, I taught three or four of the uh, mountain ops instructor courses. And that, that runs like uh, the last course I taught, I think was probably 135 days of training yeah. or 135 days long okay. right over the course of the summer yeah when i when i did my course it was 89 days long every day was a work day yeah it was 7 days a week it was from 5:30 in the morning till 9 at night and i still found time <laughs> to yep. go to the bar yeah it's so, always away it's yep. always away oh that's awesome and then when you retired that transition was, was a challenge, wasn't it? Um, like say, towards the end of my career, so I was in the 3rd Battalion. Um, uh, I ended up going to work at the uh, the PPCLI, the Princess Patricia's Canadian Light Infantry uh, 
formed a regimental veterans care cell. Okay. Right? And uh, that was to look after any soldier that was injured in a uh, PPCLI battle group. Okay. So if you were a reservist attached to uh, a PPCLI battle group, we followed you. Nice. If you were uh, came from wherever else, we tracked you, right? So in that job, I, I went and uh, met with Trevor Green. Okay. I went to Ontario, uh, flew to Ontario, met with some injured guys there. Um, so I got a bit of a passion there. And, so that's where it started the taste of it. But when I was working there, I did a, I knew a, one of the guys with OSIS, okay. uh, with the Operational Stress Injury Clinic, right? So um, I was doing some stuff with them and I was looking at the, the little, you know, do you have PTSD kind of thing? Yeah. And it's like, check, check, check. Well, maybe not, but check. Yeah. Right? And then it's like, well, maybe I got it, right? And that, that was the only thing I thought. But, you know, I tried to organize a few things with OSIS and our RVC cell. And, you know, uh, so that was really the start. And then I moved to Newfoundland in 2010. Okay. So I retired from the Reg Force, joined the reserves. Okay. So as a Canadian Ranger instructor. Oh, nice. And then, uh, so I went out there for four, I did four years with them. Okay. And then that was it. I uh, I finally shut her down yeah. because so when I first got to Newfoundland, the first couple of years, the PTSD was developing in me, yes. if you would, right? If if you want to call it that, right? So it's kind of surfacing. Yeah. So that that was my first thought, right? Is more so PTSD, and. Uh, you know, I mentioned it to my spouse at the time. I said, I think I got PTSD. But anyways, you know, going along, getting worse. Um, I was on category then. Yeah. And then I'm like, okay, I want to get off category. I want to, uh, you know, I want to get back into my career, that right? Like, yeah. Yeah. you know, f f try to get back into it. And then in June of... 2014 it was like you know, nope that's it I surrender I'm out I'm yeah. done right and I uh, went to the to the uh, base doctor and said uh, I can't do it anymore right yeah. so they placed me on reserve force compensation for two years and uh, and then I then I was released in 2016 okay so like um was I going to say 2015, roughly, John Dow had contacted me okay. to talk to me about the methylquin. Yeah. Somewhere around there, 14, 15. But, um, and, you know, because I took methylquin in Somalia as part of a drug trial, yeah. right, that I didn't know was a drug trial. Yeah, we're guinea pigs. Yeah, so um, he wanted me to be part of it to get along because I knew a lot of people we could uh, uh, network better and stuff like that so I was involved for the first six months kind of uh, emails flowing like crazy between yeah. Dr. Nevin and John Dow and and then it, it was just too much and at that time I was uh, you know just sitting at home staring out the window kind of that kind of that's it that's all I did right yeah. sort of so I gave it up then, and then, um, like uh, last or in 2018, I joined the old lawsuit. Okay. And that was quickly ended in December or something, and then in January of 2019, the new lawsuit started with uh, with Howie Saxon Henry. Okay. So, I put my name in for that, and then. In March, they had called me and said, we have you narrowed down to one of 11 that we want to file the first cases with. Okay. And then in April, they filed my case along with seven others. Okay. So there was eight then. But uh, the, the original thing that really got me, and that was it, um, like on the 7th of April was a hard day. I was trying to put out, Facebook messages to try to 
nail every person I thought took mefloquine, right? Yeah. So I tried to, first I tried to do the smaller group. Yeah. So I had, jeez, uh, I forget what the number is, but you, if you tag too, or if you, uh, tag too many people, then it becomes spam. Yeah. So then you can't send it. Even if it's legit. Yeah. yeah. So it was like two hours of putting this together with 180 names, go to post it, and it just went, Yeah. gone. And then I'm like, what the heck just happened? <laughs> so then I spent two hours again doing it again. Yeah. Puff, gone again, right? So the third time, two hours... This time I copied it. There you go. Right? I saved it. I hit post. And when it came up with the kind of a flash, the thing and said, spam, if it's over 99 people, it, yeah. it's treated as spam. So then I'm like, okay. So then I broke it down to like 50 and 50 and 50, yeah. right? It's like that first time you get a task with a certain major and you're using Excel and you're like, what the hell is Excel? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's frustrating. Yeah. But yeah, so I did that, and then I and then I sent out a sent out one to all the people I think served in Afghanistan okay. or other people that I thought took it right. Yeah. To kind of uh, well, just separate it into the two groups, right? right. But uh, wise and yeah. Awareness, yeah. So, but anyways, um, that Monday morning at four in the morning, I decided that's it. I'm not I'm not uh, safe anymore. I'm not. Uh, I need to find out what's wrong with me, yeah. right? Because I, you know, for two years I was seeing a psychologist, and to me it felt like I was getting worse, right? Yeah. I stayed in the basement, right? Or I'd be in the basement all the time, go for a walk, that's it. I didn't, I never traveled anywhere further probably than 15 minutes in my truck, right? Yeah. Unless I was with somebody else. So I didn't even, you know, uh, in later in January, I think I drove once, like three hours, and I was like, "Hey, I did, you know." I just, it was like an accomplishment. Yeah, I drove all that way by myself. And anyways, so that at four o'clock in the morning, and then it was like, "No, no," saying, "Don't go up." Uh, fine, I won't. Whatever, like, but I want to find out what's wrong with, with me, so I want to fly out to a town hall meeting. Okay. They didn't want to do that, so said, no, you don't need to do that. And I said, okay, fine, I won't. And at eight o'clock, I left. Yeah. And I left, and, and I, I had no reservation for the ferry. You're supposed to have 48 hours notice. Okay. The last time I had taken the ferry was to go over for Remembrance Day, and I had problems with my service dog. Okay. So as I was driving there, for one, I was like, okay, what do I do if I can't get on the boat? Yeah. Okay. I'll drive back three hours and go to the airport, right? Yeah. So there I got my plan. You know, you know, an hour and a half down the road, my ex called me and said, what are you doing? I said, I'm on my way to the ferry. I'm going to find out what's wrong with me. And uh, she hung up, right? Um, and that was the last time I spoke to her. Okay. But, um, you know... Because my, <clears throat> when, I, when I was stationary, I wasn't functioning at all. I had no focus, no nothing. Yeah. I had nothing to uh, even, you know, a, a way to, a means to get rid of this uh, no anxiety or grounding. Yeah, no yeah. grounding. So, <clears throat> anyways, I got to the ferry. They let me on, okay. right? There, was, there wasn't many people, and they're like, yeah, okay. And I was even late getting there. And they still let me on, so it really, it was nice. And then when I was on the ferry, I called John Dow, and I spoke to him. And he's like, this is on the 8th of April. And he's like, on the 27th of April is when the town hall meeting is. And I'm like, okay, I needed at least a week to get there, but I don't need three weeks. Now I'm, now I'm early. So I'm like, uh, whatever, right? <clears throat> And I didn't really know exactly what I was doing at that time yet yeah. either, right? But um, you're still marking your map. Yeah, and so, uh, so I worked my way to go see the lawyers and John Dow and everything. Um, but it, the thing that that launched me, if you would, is suicidal ideation. 
right? Every time I have a problem, if it's a big problem, my first thought is, fuck it, I'm done, right? I, uh, you know, I've come up with a million different ways, or I've, you know, thought of all kinds, right? The, I had one, uh, <laughs> and uh, I don't know, when when I'm triggered, it's like I'm not even, uh, you know. It's not even really you. Not even really me. And that is just like, uh, I got all wrapped out of my, I got all uh, triggered one time and got all, and thought the police were trying to, because uh, I had a problem with in the, in the Cornerbrook Mall with uh, Spark, right? Yeah. With the service dog where I was kicked out and I complained to the police and they didn't do nothing, right? But, um, so then, uh, anyways, I thought, some, I was talking to somebody else and they were trying to say, oh, I think maybe the police are just trying to say that she's not a service dog. And then I yeah. just went, I grabbed her vest and I tucked it under my jacket and I walked away from my house as if I'm going for a walk. But I walked down to the police station, put her vest on, then went in. But as I was walking down, I looked up at the, uh, at the telephone pole and said, Huh, you know what I could do? I'll grab my crampons. Yeah. I'll grab a rope and I'll fucking string myself up from the uh, from the telephone pole, right? That's 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 what went through my head as I walked down, and then I go inside, <laughs> and I just start like talking to the lady at the thing, going on what's like talking like a madman. Yeah. Right. Really, kind of like I wasn't making sense. And as I'm kind of talking, it's like, okay, you're sounding crazy now, yeah. right? And I, uh, and I said, okay, all right, sorry, whatever, and I left. And I walked home or whatever, but because um, uh, just like that, a switch goes, and then it's like, you know, I don't know, crazy train. Yeah, <laughs> right? exactly. It just takes. Or well, that's how it feels, right? Because uh, it's just like the. The brain goes into a loop, mm. and uh, well, that's the the spinning part, right? And it's trying to stop that uh, that loop. It's trying but. to find something to hold on to, justify it. Yeah. Um, for me, when I was going through my release, uh, it was not something I wanted to do. And I'm relating this to what you just said: is I had a horrific divorce, massive injuries, shattered bones in my body that were misdiagnosed from when I was a private. Yeah. You know and the pain and, and all the other stuff, deployments and shit. So finally it was like, look, you're unfit. We're gonna put you in, in this group over here for the next five years and you're gonna format memory sticks. And I did that for like a month and I'm like, I'm gonna fucking die. Yeah. If, the, if this is all my career amounts to at the end is me formatting memory sticks, what the fuck? Like, yeah. what a waste, what a waste of me. And you hit that spiral and when I went to mental health, I'm like, hey, you know, there's more going on than just these physical injuries because I want to know. And they're like, well, here's a book called Change Your Mind, Change Your Mood. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, a workbook. Yeah. So, yeah, self-talk and all those things are good. But when there's something absolutely wrong at the core, just saying, oh, I don't feel like smiling today. I'm going to make myself smile. Doesn't always cut it, does it? No, I uh, <laughs> I wouldn't say, but uh, yeah, no. No. <laughs> yeah. So I'm happy that you didn't uh, get, commit to those ideas. Yeah. I'm happy that you have committed to this march and this energy. I think um, you're finding you're finding more about yourself and your own strengths. Actually, is what it means, and where do you hope to go? It's definitely not something that's going to be done overnight. No. And when the settlement is done, that's going to be kind of a an interesting moment for you, isn't it? Uh, um, that's going to be a mixed bag of emotions, I think. Yeah. I'm. Uh, yeah. I. That'll and then that'll be a, that'll be a decision time too, right? Okay. Do I? Am I stopping now, or am I going to? carry on because uh, 
partly since I've been traveling, I, if you would, I've kind of actually functioned a bit better because I, because I have focus, right? So I'm focusing on, you know, I, I need to get the message out there. So it, uh, it kind of gives me enough to keep going and, uh, and, uh, and, uh, you know, um, just working on going, right? It's a task and purpose. Yeah, just it, it occupies my mind, right? So I'm organizing, okay, tomorrow. I haven't got tomorrow solved yet, but, right, um, it, it's working those things together, right? Okay. And it, because uh, otherwise, if I'm sitting at home, and unless I have a kind of a routine, and I was trying the last lockup, uh, uh, March and April. Yeah. Every day I tried to create a routine and I couldn't get into one because I'd be like, well, I got to go, go here today. That's out of my routine. I can't start a routine then. A routine's got to be exactly the same every day. Yeah. And I, and it just, it, it almost like it just kept me tumbling, right? Yeah. In the dryer, kind of like trying to, uh, trying to sort myself out and I, I couldn't and that's why even so as soon as I had an opportunity to for something to occupy my time like the Veterans Association Food Bank in Calgary I well, I was there right yeah. I needed something to, to occupy my mind with right because I, I was having a really hard time for those two months yeah right? It was, so, it was a challenge, wasn't it? Yeah, like, uh, and it's and it's a mental challenge, completely right. I mean, uh, you know, for the virus, um, it, it's going to be the mental health that'll kill me before the virus. Oh, right? and, and that's that's the sad truth about it. And then when we look at what what is going on in the world right now, and I joke about it, but it's and I'm so serious. Is you get an idea of what we live through with that two months because that is literally how we feel all the time and when our task and purpose has been taken away from us and that's the difference between people that choose to serve and those that just go do their own thing i'm not saying one is better than the other i'm just saying yeah. that there's those are what we choose to do and when we choose to serve it's because we want to be of service and when we don't have that ability to uh, have that routine and have that structure and serve and be out there helping yeah. and contributing in some meaningful way is very daunting and, and it's, it's damaging to us and to our psyche, yeah. right? Yes. So for the rest of the world, not being able to leave your house, um, that is how our conditions and our the methylene poisoning and the PTSD and, and all that anxiety and fear that is, is stuck in us, yeah. you know, um, it isn't something that we choose to do. It's we have these conditions because we volunteer to live a lifestyle to protect others, okay? yeah. and this is the consequence of it. To serve, yeah, to serve, right? Yeah. Uh, Airborne's mantra was "My life for you," right? Yeah, you know, um, de deeds, not words. Um, and then the other one that's it's coming up right now more often is uh, the Canadian Armed Forces never outfought. Under, undermanned, under-equipped, under-funded, all that stuff, but never outfought. Yeah. And right now, you're still, because you're still fighting. You're still yeah. doing that. And where I'm trying to go with this is that if you suffered during the, uh, the lockdown, uh, that is a taste of what we do every day. So please be more receptive to when you see people with service dogs or you see these these big bearded, scraggly looking weirdos. Ten chances to one, they're a veteran. Yeah, right? you know, and uh, just 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 give them some space. Okay? Don't get up in their face. Don't you don't always have to thank us for a service either. Kind of makes me feel awkward uh, when people do it. It does it does because I you know, in some some ways we I don't think we feel we deserve it no right so it, it kind of takes us back kind of yeah it, it, think, it's a right? it's a, a meaningful trigger it's a meaningful moment for those people and kind of a trigger for us um but if it makes them feel better then i just smile and yeah you're welcome and yeah. I, I laugh it off because i'm like hey i got free socks and underwear 
Yeah. Than to, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah. I was blown away. I was getting free socks and underwear. I served. I got free socks and underwear. You're good. Yeah. You know. So, um, with your tour, you've met, you've literally gone coast to coast. Coast to coast to coast. Coast. Three coasts. Three coasts. And you're not done yet. You've got some big things planned for you and Spark with the motorcycle. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, I've been driving back and forth in the truck and rental cars, flying back and yeah. forth, and then um, the the goal was to to do a bike rally, okay. right, for uh, for Mefloquin in Ottawa. I was st still going about it. I had a bike, but it was in Newfoundland, couldn't get it. So then, uh, in February, just before the lockdown, I bought my I bought I went out. I went into this, so I went to a, to a Navy, uh, they had like a career fair, not career fair, but a thing at the gym, okay. in a CFB Esquimalt, yeah. and had a look at all the things in some fantastic uh, places like, you know, uh, for uh, helping, helping individuals like health, health and wellness yeah. exhibition kind of, right? But there was a Harley Davidson thing there, so I went and talked to Buddy and then said, all right. Well, I'm gonna. I got a, another errand to run. Yeah. But I'll. I'm gonna. Then I'm gonna go over to your store and I'm gonna go look for a bike. Okay. So he goes. Okay, I might be back then. So, anyways, as it worked out, we ended up back together at the at the Harley Davidson, and I looked at three road glides. Uh, pointed my finger at the most expensive one. I of think. Of course. Right. It's Mike. It was a. Oops. Sorry, Spark. It was a custom build. So. So it had uh, like an up, uh, upgraded uh, stereo system, everything, and I went with the uh, Road Glide Ultra just to go with the. Uh, I wanted the comfort, right? I needed yeah. the comfort. I still got to change out the seat because I got a broken uh, femur, and I broke my femur right at the hip. Okay. And then I got a IM nail, and uh, so that causes me discomfort. some discomfort and stuff, and and that so. Yeah, so I, I I bought the, I looked at the bike, uh, 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 okay, I'll take that one. They did the paperwork within a half an hour, said, okay, signed the document. I said, oh, geez, I should at least sit on the bike once. Yeah. So I went and sat on the bike, <laughs> got in my truck, and drove to the ferry, and took the ferry to Vancouver and left my bike behind. That was it. <clears throat> half an hour. Signed the papers, gone, didn't see the bike. And as I'm on the ferry, I'm thinking, man, I, I want to go back and see my bike, right? Yeah, exactly. But so anyways, <clears throat> that was like at the end of February, I went and I did a mental health first aid course okay. with uh, Saskatchewan Legion Command okay. in uh, Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan. Went down there and just seen everything starting to collapse around, right? Things shutting down. And then said, "Okay, I, I can't take the chance of being locked up in uh, in another um, or at somebody's house." Like, yeah. "Hey, sorry, Nate, uh, I'm here to stay for yeah. two weeks. I hope you don't mind, right? right? Or I'm here for two months, right?" <laughs> so that was my kind of my fear. So I went back to Edmonton and I stuck it out there yeah. and was trying to trying to get through it. And then <laughs> my bike is there, right? So, anyways, I planned. Planned to go back, right? So I drove straight to the ferry. Another guy came with me, uh, Greg Gerard, and uh, we went there to um, went to Victoria, picked up the bike. <clears throat> he drove. I drove the bike from the ferry or from the dealership to the ferry. Okay. Say sixty or seventy k or something like that, maybe or maybe a hundred. <clears throat> that was it. And then when we got to the ferry, because he was going to go stay at his buddy's. Okay. And I was going to my buddy, so he took my bike and I took the truck because I couldn't take Spark. So he drove it to his buddies, and then the next morning we met at a Harley Davidson in uh, at uh, Barnes Harley Davidson in Van in uh, Langley. Okay. Loaded the bike up then because I didn't want to take a chance of because that you know if there was a snowstorm yeah. or on the Coquihalla. so I didn't want to have to deal with any issues. So we just, just so loaded the know bike that up. Is the highway through hell? Uh, that he's referring to, and that's why he didn't want to take it up there. 
And my dad lives at the bottom of that, and he sees that stuff all the time. Oh, yeah, I can't imagine. Yeah, yeah. it is a bad highway. <laughs> yeah, so anyways, took it back, dropped uh, Greg off in Cal- out by Calgary, went back to, to Beaumont, unloaded okay. my bike. Didn't realize because it had an alarm, so it killed the battery. Yeah. I had it in the back, right? I never, yeah. I never put it into limp mode or whatever. Yeah. So had to deal with that. But and then all I did, I rode my bike once for 150k. Okay. <clears throat> kind of for about an hour and a half, and then I'm like, too much. I can't be apart from Spark, right? Yeah. And I'm, um, was like, I'm not gonna ride it then, right? So I'm like, I gotta find a sidecar. I gotta find yeah. a sidecar. So found a sidecar outside of Edmonton um, with this guy named Jim. Okay. Went out and seen him, bought the sidecar. Him and another guy, um, Bruce, uh, worked on, so they said, oh, we can mount it for you. I said, okay, yep, that'd be great, perfect, right? So they, and because it was a brand new 2020 Harley Davidson Road Glide, yep. they didn't want to weld the pieces onto the bike, <laughs> right? Which is what you would have had to do. Yeah. So, so they uh, they manufactured all the parts so I could take it off of my road glide and put it on another one. No problem. No problem, right? Okay. So, got that. Then I'm, you know, I actually put about five thousand k on my bike this summer ish. Nice. Right. Hard to believe when you know because I didn't really. I didn't do any long treks, but it was just kind of in in Alberta and stuff. But and then it's okay. Now I got to get my bike ready. I got to get it because so many times I'd be driving on on the riding the bike and cars are driving by with their cameras out, right, going by, and I'm like, every time I'd see that, it was like a missed opportunity to spread the word, right? Yes. So <clears throat> so then I tried to look. To how to get my bike done, so I, okay. I looked to uh, to a place to put it, put a wrap on it. Yeah. But then, <clears throat> in order to put the wrap on it, I had to get the rust fixed. So then I had to find a, a like on the sidecar. Yeah. <clears throat> so then, I went to an auto body place to see about getting that fixed. They said it'd take about three weeks because I had, I work like on a compressed time frame because yeah. I I can't. You know, I'm, most of the time I'm not planning outside two weeks. So exactly. I, I'm trying to, you know, by the time my mind's on it, I only got two weeks to plan it, yeah. kind of, right? But so, you know, multiple kind of few delays here and there. But anyway, so the three weeks I said, okay, okay, I can't do that. I can't wait three weeks and then have to wait to get the wrap. And I wanted to ride across. So I was waiting for the bubble to open yeah. here in Atlanta, Canada. So, so then whatever, um, I went to another guy that does hydro dipping because okay. <clears throat> I had, uh, the year before I, I got a $500 gift certificate oh, nice. that I bid on to raise money for can praxis. Okay. So I took the gift certificate and I thought at least I'd get my helmet done because I didn't know what I would get done with the bike. And then, uh, Stacy... Bowles was talking. He owns custom toys, and so we're talking. Then he said, "Oh no, I can. I'll I'll repair the rust. I'll fix the sidecar up. We'll put the yeah. hydro dip it this way, that way." And I'm like, "All right, let's go with it, right?" Um, then I, I wanted it first at the end of August. Then it was September 19th for the rally. Then it was like, "I'm not going to the rally. I'm going to the rally. I'm not going to the rally." <laughs> Um, so anyways, the bike is still at his place. It's almost complete. And then last night I decided I started another thing going. So then it's, you know, I want to put more names on it. Right. Yes. So, um, so I called up buddy Stacy with custom toys and we talked again and said, okay, the two saddlebags now. Uh, the outside and the inside one, right? We'll put, we'll dip, because I only dip the covers okay. and not the sides. Yeah. So now we'll do the sides and we'll put no, more names, right? 
And your goal with this is to, to ride this in big rallies in the States and in Canada, right? Yeah, so, you know, so I got that done, but I still don't have, I also got to make it so that Spark's comfortable, right? Because yes. I'm not riding in the rain with her. No. I'm going to, so I've talked to a fellow veteran, Scott Harrington. Okay. So I spoke to him last night as well, Good. right? And it's to outfit the bike. So he, he's got a, um, what's the name of it now? Banshee Custom Chop Shop. Okay. Right? So he's, uh, he's going to fix the bike. So either like put a bimini top on the sidecar so Spark A has shade. Yeah. Or, or um, to protect from the rain. Yeah. And then maybe put side just snap on side skirts like if it's okay. raining yeah yeah right to keep her dry and and i'll go from there right perfect i'm just because yeah, i because we uh I, well i just i don't want to go on off anymore it, it throws me off the um yeah so he's gonna uh, fix it all up okay right and uh and get it ready to ride. So when I leave Atlanta, Canada, I'll head back to Alberta, pick up my bike, take it to uh, to Scott, yeah. drop it off with him for for the spring, for okay. the or for the winter kind of. Yeah. And he can uh, get it ready for the ride. And then I've already booked for the southern route with the uh, run for the wall. Okay. Um, you know, COVID's everywhere. Everything's going on, but you know what? Um, to, I I can't live live like that. I can't live in live in fear, if you would. Yes. And I gotta I gotta push forward. I've successfully gone down to the states to Washington D.C. for five days, all on my own. Me and Good. Spark back Good in January. You. So, you know. And and because they'll they'll have their organized stops, so then I can I can. Uh, then I can plan my hotels yes. or wherever I'm staying. I can do that as well. And so we'll head down there at the end of April or beginning of May. Uh, I got to look at all the dates. Okay. But so then that, that'll give me kind of the winter to plan for that ride and to organize my, organize my, um, what I need yeah, in order to, yeah. in order to, to do the trip. Um, so I'll go down to Ontario, California, mm -hmm. and start from there and do the southern route, trying to you know trying to uh, grab another guy to get him to join along the way, and that's Ray Taylor. Oh, okay. He's in Texas. Yes. Right. So he's got a bike. So, or at least so I took the southern route, so it goes through Texas. So if anything, he can come and meet me. Exactly. Right? I have a few people that um, would probably come out to see in Texas because hello Texas. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's the Alberta of the states. Yeah, eh? yeah, <laughs> yeah. So we're gonna ride across with the run for the wall. I want to do the uh, if they do the Rolling Thunder, you get to be one of the first ten thousand. I okay, understand yeah. something like that, but uh, yeah. So I want to do that, and then what all my plan will be then. Well, I also, I want to go to uh, a couple things in D.C. I'll probably go back to Arlington Cemetery. Okay. I was there in January. I spent like eight hours walking around and, yeah. and uh, you know, uh, taking it all in. And it's a lot to take you can, you can, you know, you, you feel so much, right? It's, uh, so I'd like to go back there probably... Um, I'd like to go see the Holocaust Museum, right, actually. Um, and then, you know, th there's uh, Mike Mahalik uh, is up in New York City okay. or around there on Long Island, somewhere in that area, right? So I'll probably try to see him if he doesn't end up coming down, right, okay. to D.C. But uh, then I want to go to White River Junction, Vermont, to, uh, to actually get to, you know, see Dr. Nevin's their uh where their practices and everything okay and then come back into the bubble or go into ontario or whatever and do my self-isolation and and then my goal is to so i'll hang out on the east coast okay 
next next uh, summer, so from you know June until August, okay. and then I'm going to ride back with the Rolling Barrage okay. on there. So they they have their set stops, and I'm going to ride the whole route back with them. Good. Back to BC, and then so that that's my whole year. So then, you know, on the bike while I'm out here from June until uh, I think around the 18th of August is when the uh, rolling barrage goes west. Okay. So I'll have that time to, you know, do events in Atlanta, Canada, Quebec, Ontario, depending, yeah. you know. If if we'll if the, the bubble is still closed, yeah. I'll come in, self-isolate, and then I'll stick around and then only exit with the rolling barrage. Okay, and hopefully right. the world by that point will be back. It will be a different place. Yeah, yeah. It, w- it will be different, but hopefully it'll be f- more functional. Yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah. All, it's all we can really hope for. Yeah. Uh, Mike, I'm not going to lie, I'm just super happy that we got to talk. Uh, yeah. Uh, and, you know, and as I said in the beginning, I do truly think of you as a badass because yeah. you were one of the giants that I stood up on to get yeah. where I got in my career. Um, be it as, as far as it wasn't. Um, I appreciate you taking the time to, to talk with us today mm-hmm. for VTSR. I appreciate immensely what you're trying to do. And yeah. we're going to tap into our resources here. Um, I know JP, as he's watching this, he's, he's already making plans um, to support you and to help you. Where yeah. can people find you? Uh, so I'm on, on Facebook, The Rude Awakening Tour. I have a page. You can send me a friend request, Mike Rude, on Facebook. I'll, uh, I accept all, uh, all friend requests, okay. right? Um, I'm on Instagram, okay. the Rude Awakening Tour. Perfect. I'm on Twitter. i got to remember oh, my password. <laughs> if you're out there uh, and you're struggling, whatever you do, you just remember, uh, reach out to someone. Uh, don't, don't go on patrol by yourself. Always take a body with you. And do not, I say again, do not cash out. Take it away, Nate. Thank you to our main sponsors. Nost Appliance Group, LLC. Uptown Auto Glass. Dad asked you have a plan. He said I do. Gonna go. Take this land, this song is for you.